Good afternoon, <laughs> hello, and welcome back to Five Runaway Together, and we're on chapter 13, wow, so chapter 13 is a day on the island, the children hardly knew where they were the next day when they woke up. The sun was pouring into the cave entrance and fell first of all on George's sleeping face. It awoke her and she lay half dozing, wondering why her bed felt rather less soft than usual. Ah, oh, but I'm not in my bed, I'm on Kiran Island, of course, she thought suddenly to herself. She sat up and gave Van a punch. Wake up, sleepyhead, we're on the island. Soon they were all awake, rubbing the sleep from their eyes. Oh, I think I'm going to get Heather today for my bed after all, said Anne. The sand feels soft at first, but it gets hard after a bit. The others agreed that they would all get Heather for their bed, set it on the sand with rugs for covering. Then they would have really fine beds. Oh, it's fun to live in a cave, said Dick. Fancy having a fine cave like this on our island, as well as a castle and dungeons. Oh, we really are very lucky. I feel, oh, sticky and dirty, said Julian. Let's go and have a bathe before we have breakfast. Then cold ham, bread, pickles and marmalade for me. Oh, we shall be cold after our bathe, said George. We'd better light my little stove and put the kettle on to boil while we're bathing. Then we can make some hot cocoa when we come back shivering. Oh, yes, said Anne, who had never boiled anything on such a tiny stove before. Do let's. I'll fill the kettle with water from one of their containers. What shall we do for milk? Well, there's a tin of milk somewhere in the pile, said Julian. We can open that. Where's the tin opener? It was not to be found, which was most exasperating, but at last Julian discovered it in his pocket, so all was well. The little stove was filled with methylated spirit and lit. The kettle was filled and set on top, then the children went off to bathe. Look, there's a simply marvellous pool in the middle of those rocks over there, called Julian, pointing. We've never spotted it before. It's just like a small swimming pool, a spade specially made for us. Kieran's swimming pool, 20 pence a dip, said Dick. Free to the owners, though. Come on, it looks gorgeous. And see how the waves keep washing over the top of the rocks and splashing into the pool? Couldn't be better. It really was a lovely rock pool, deep, clear and not too cold. The children enjoyed themselves thoroughly, splashing about and swimming and floating. George tried a dive off one of the rocks and went in beautifully. Oh, George can do anything in the water, said Anne admiringly. I wish I could dive and swim like her, but I never shall. We can see the old wreck nicely from here, said Julian, coming out of the water. Oh, blow, we didn't bring any towels. I will use one of the rugs, turn and turn about, said Dick. I'll go and fetch the thinnest one. I'd say, do you remember that trunk we saw in the wreck yesterday? Odd, wasn't it? Yes, very odd, said Julian. Well, I don't understand it. We'll have to keep a watch on the wreck and see who comes to collect the trunk. Well, I suppose the smugglers, if they are smugglers, will come slinking round this side of the island 
and quietly send off a boat to the wreck, said George, drying herself vigorously. Well, we'd better keep a strict lookout and see if anything appears on the sea out there in the way of a small steamer, boat or ship. Yes, we don't want them to spot us, said Dick. We shan't find out anything if they see us and are warned. They'd at once give up coming to the island. I vote we each of us take turns at keeping a lookout so that we can spot anything at once and get under cover. Good idea, said Julian. Well, I'm dry, but not very warm. Let's race to the cave and get that hot drink. And breakfast. Oh, golly, I could eat a whole chicken and probably a duck as well, to say nothing of a turkey. The others laughed. They all felt the same. They raced off to the cave, running over the sand and climbing over a few rocks, then down to the cave beach and into the big entrance, still splashed with sunshine. The kettle was boiling away merrily, sounding, sending a cloud of steam up from its tin spout. Get the ham out and a loaf of bread and that jar of pickles we bought, um, ordered Julian. I'll open the tin of milk. George, you can take the tin of cocoa and that jug and make enough for all of us. I'm so terribly happy, said Anne, as she sat at the entrance to the cave eating her breakfast. It's a lovely feeling. It's simply gorgeous being on our island like this, all by ourselves, able to do what we like. They all felt the same. It was such a lovely day too, and the sky and the sea were so blue. They sat eating and drinking, gazing out to sea, watching the waves break into spray over the rocks beyond the old wreck. It certainly was a very rocky coast. Let's arrange everything very nicely in the cave, said Anne, who was the tidiest of the four, and always liked to play at houses if she could. This shall be our house, our home. We'll make four proper beds and we'll each have our own place to sit in and we'll arrange everything tidily on that big stone shelves over there. It might have been made for us. We'll leave Anne to play houses by herself, said George, who was longing to stretch her legs again. We'll go and get some heather for beds and... Oh, what about one of us keeping a watch on the old wreck to see who comes? Yes, that's important, said Julian at once. I'll take first watch. The best place would be up on the cliff just above this cave. I can find a gauze bush that will hide me all right from anyone out at sea. You others get the heather. We'll take two hourly watches. We can read if we like, so long as we keep on looking up. Dick and George went to get the heather. Julian climbed up the knotted rope that still hung down through the hole, tied firmly to the great old root of an enormous gauze bush. He pulled himself out on the cliff and lay on the heather, panting. Whew! He could see nothing out to sea at all except for some big steamer miles out on the skyline. He lay down in the sun, enjoying the warmth that poured into every inch of his body. This lookout job was going to be very nice. He could hear Anne singing down in the cave as she tidied up her house. Her voice came up through the cave roof hole, rather muffled. Julian smiled. He knew Anne was enjoying herself thoroughly. And so she was. She had washed the few bits of crockery they had used for breakfast in a most convenient little rain pool outside the cave. Timmy used it for drinking water too, but he, he didn't seem to mind Anne using it for washing up water, though she apologised to him for doing so. 
I'm sorry if I spoil your drinking water, Timmy, darling, she said, but you're such a sensible dog that I know if it suddenly tastes nasty to you, you will go off and find another rain pool. Woof, said Timmy and ran off to meet George, who was just arriving back with Dick, armed with masses of soft, sweet-smelling heather for beds. Put the heather outside the cave, please, George, said Anne. I'll make the beds inside when I'm ready. <laughs> right, said George. We'll go and get some more. Aren't we having fun? Julian's gone up the rope to the top of the cliff, said Anne. He'll yell if he sees anything unusual. I hope he does, don't you? It would be exciting, agreed Dick, putting down his heather on top of Timmy and nearly burying him. Oh, sorry, Timmy, are you there? Bad luck. <laughs> Anne had a very happy morning. She arranged everything beautifully on the shelf, crockery and knives and forks and spoons in one place, saucepan and kettle in another, tins of meat next, tins of soup together, tins of fruit neatly piled on top of one another. It really was a splendid larder and dresser. She wrapped all the bread up in an old tablecloth they had brought and put it at the back of the cave in the coolest place she could find. The containers of water went there too and so did all the bottles of drinks. Then the little girl set to work to make the beds. She decided to make two nice big ones, one on each side of the cave. George and I and Tim will have the one this side, she thought, busily patting down the heather into the shape of a bed and Julian and Dick can have the other side. I shall want lots more heather. Oh, is that you, Dick? You're just in time. I want more heather. Soon the beds were made beautifully, and each had an old rug from an under blanket and two better rugs for covers. Cushions made pillows. Oh, what a pity we didn't bring night things, thought Anne. I could have folded them neatly and put them under the cushions. There, it all looks lovely. We've got a beautiful house. Julian came sliding down the rope from the cliff to the cave. He looked around admiringly. My word, Anne, the cave does look fine. Everything in order and looking so tidy. You are a good little girl. Anne was pleased to hear Julian's praise, although she didn't like him calling her a little girl. Yes, it does look nice, doesn't it? She said. But why aren't you watching up on the cliff, Ju? Oh, it's Dick's turns now, said Julian. The two hours are up. Did we bring any biscuits? I feel as if I could do with one or two, and I bet the others could too. Let's all go up to the cliff top and have some. George and Timmy are there with Dick. Anne knew exactly where to put her hand on the tin of biscuits. She took out ten and climbed up to the cliff top. Julian went up the rope. Soon all five were sitting by the big gauze bush, nibbling at biscuits. Timmy too. At least he didn't nibble, he just swallowed. The day passed very pleasantly and rather lazily. They took turns at being lookout, although Anne was severely scolded by Julian in the afternoon for falling asleep during her watch. She was very ashamed of herself and cried. You're too little to be a lookout, that's what it is, said Julian. We three and Timmy had better do it. Oh no, do let me too, begged poor Anne. I never, never will fall asleep again, but the sun was so hot. And don't make excuses, said Julian. It only makes things worse if you do. All right, we'll give you another chance, Anne, and see if you really are big enough to do the things we do. But although they took 
turns and kept a watch on the sea for any strange vessel. None appeared. The children were disappointed. They did so badly want to know who had put that trunk on the wreck and why and what it contained. Better go to bed now, said Julian, when the sun sank low. It's about nine o'clock now. Come on, I'm really looking forward to a sleep on those lovely heathery beds that Anne has made so nicely. Well, it was a shame, wasn't it, that nobody came and um, and got, got onto the wreck so that they could see who it was. I have a feeling I know, or not I know, but I'm maybe I'm right, that Mr... Mr. Stick might be involved. What do you think? It's just a feeling that I've got. Hmm. Call it Sarah's intuition. <laughs> anyway, um, that is today's chapter. Tomorrow, ooh, we might find out a little bit more. You never know. <laughs> so come back and check out chapter 14 tomorrow. Until then, take care and stay safe and have a fabulous day. Bye for now.